Hello, fellow time travelers. Thank you for joining us in the year 1999 for Box Office Time Machine Old Movie Edition. <laughs> yes, we're we're into our second episode of our new format. Uh, and we have traveled back in time to review the number one movie of this weekend, 10 years, uh, sorry, 20 years ago. We're old. <laughs> we travel back and forth. It's crazy. 20 years ago, 1999. It was the summer of the gross-out comedies, American Pie, Austin Powers 2. Nod, there's something about Mary. That was, that was 98. But there was another comedy. One more geared toward the adult set, I would say. Only one gross-out gag, and that's imagining Billy Crystal and Lisa Kudrow. Hey, hey. Making love. Oh. <laughs> oh boy, I I was afraid you were gonna spoil the movie. Well, guys, seat back, relax, let the dulcet voice of Tony Bennett lull you into a perfectly serviceable movie. Hey, toot toot, toot toot. Oh, thank you. I forgot to, the toot toot. Yeah, we didn't say the movie's title. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is called Analyze This. Welcome back from this amazing song that you just heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that would be the opening credits of our, uh, of our podcast, not the Tony Bennett that we were all picturing in our heads after we... No, we can't okay. afford that. We can't. Well, we just got to get a mobster friend who will give it to us. Well, mamma mia. Hey. Yeah, we watched Analyze This. Um, Veronica, had you ever seen it before? I have. I've seen it on home video at some point, mm, probably mm. very close to 20 years ago. Um, I saw it in the movie theaters. It Whoa. was, I believe, the first R-rated comedy I saw in the theaters. The first R-rated movie I saw was uh, Saving Private Ryan, I guess one year in the theaters. was uh, one year earlier, and this was the first time I was allowed to go see a movie that wasn't quote-unquote important. Did you see it with your dad? I saw it with my whole family, I believe. Oh, I think. Wow. I, I feel like this is a. I feel like this is a movie a dad would enjoy. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's very it's very dad <laughs> dad centric. <laughs> First, you got your mobster stuff. Dads love mobster Who doesn't? stuff. You got your Robert De Niro. Dads love Robert De Niro. You got uh, Billy Crystal. Dads think he's so funny. He is funny. Put them together. It's this a it's a dad. Oh, then you got all the daddy issues in the movie. I mean, dads love those. They're dads all about dads. Well, neither of us, to either of our knowledge, are have fathers. Have dads. <laughs> have dads. Oh no. No I'm kidding. <laughs> our fathers ourselves is what I was gonna say. Um, so as not dads, uh-huh. uh, uh, what was your? Uh, should we do? 
Should we are you still getting into this new getting used to this new format? Should we do the letter grade at the beginning or what do you what do you think? Yeah. We've been doing it at the beginning of movies. Yeah, we've been doing it at the beginning. Though do you feel like it will like people are are gonna know what we're gonna say? The suspension is gonna be They're gone. gonna drop out immediately. Yeah, like, well, gonna, I don't oh, need to fucking hear this. We only needed the letter grade people. <laughs> all right, all right. You know what? For for you 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 rotten tomatoes <laughs> trolls who don't have for time. all you rotten tomatoes. <laughs> uh, look, we'll we'll save it. We'll save it for the end. All right. So instead. Right. Uh, take us through. You're, you're 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 leading the way on this one. I'm uh I'm at the wheel of this time machine, mm. <laughs> or so they say. Well, as I said, Tony Bennett playing over the opening credits. I feel like that's a very n- late '90s comedy thing, or maybe even an entirely '90s thing of just having like sweet jazz or swing playing over the opening credits you know you're in for a comfortable time yeah well i mean it's funny i i know we are at uh we've gotten to the opening credits (laughs) (laughs) but i think uh, contextually it's really weird to think about this movie as um we talked about how it's you know, was it like we were about to hit the big gross out comedy phase then there was the jet apatow phase and this kind of like just like leisurely paced, uh, tightly scripted adult comedy just doesn't really exist anymore. Right. At least not get, certainly not getting number one at the box office. Um, but it's also interesting in that, like, so this is 99. This mm-hmm. comes out the same year as The Sopranos. The right. other 1999, <laughs> a mobster goes to the, uh, goes to a therapist to deal with uh, panic attacks, work of art. Who and do you think, who do you think stole from whom? <laughs> I... God, I, I meant to look this up. But no, I I don't think any either of them stole. I think it was like a weird... Well... At least yeah. they claim it's a weird coincidence. Well, yeah, I guess maybe there was something in the air about therapy and mobsters. Well, that's very much a show about mothers, at least in the first season. <laughs> oh, so The Sopranos. Um, uh, but then it's also the same year. It's the same year as The Sopranos premiere. It's also the same year... As uh, Mickey Blue Eyes, the oh. other, whoa, can you believe this guy's in the mob now comedy? That's true. Maybe it's another one of those Armageddon deep impact situations. Yeah, so they both have a non-Italian guy getting mixed up with a mobster uh, played by a veteran of the Godfather series. In Mickey Blue Eyes, it was... Hugh Grant marrying um, is it James Con James Con's yeah. daughter, and in this it was Billy Crystal and Bobby De Niro. Mm, yeah, that's what I call him. <laughs> Billy. Yeah, I and call Bobby. him Billy. <laughs> Most people call him William Crystal, but I call him Billy because we're tight. Yay! Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is definitely a more promising pairing, though. I mean, Hugh Grant is good, I guess. I don't know. I feel like I've never seen James Caan in a comedy that mm. I've like that um, I enjoyed. Elf? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right, Elf. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, who do you think? Who do you think's funnier, um, Billy Crystal or um, Robert De Niro? <laughs> no, I was gonna say who played Lorraine Bracco. Oh, <laughs> oh, Lorraine Bracco. I mean, she definitely has. The better Italian accent, I guess. She's very funny in that scene in Goodfellas where she gets out of the car and yells at him. That's true. Oh, man. She's great. The Sopranos is a good show. You know the fun- Watch The Sopranos, everyone. 
Like, you know, we keep mentioning people have been in all these. It's all the actors are in this. All the same actors over and over again. All the I'm sure all the character actors at the mob scene at the end of this appeared at the Sopranos at some time. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I've noticed a few like just by face, not even like, mm. oh, this was like this guy. He was in Bada Bing at one point <laughs> or like whatever. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's definitely one agency probably in Staten Island that is responsible for getting all these people Well, it's also, I mean, all those character actors, uh, they were, you know, Hollywood made them interchangeable as I, either playing New York Jews or New York Italians. And finally, you get a movie where they could play either. Whoa. Are they, are they with Billy Crystal or are they with Bobby De Niro? Pick your side. It's like a weird game of volleyball. And yet, Joe Montana, not there. Uh, and he swapped back and forth in a bunch of movies. Neither was Paul Sorvino, oh, who, for true. some reason, I, I like. I kind of expect an over. I assume he would have been there. Yeah. All right. Well. Yes. Anyway, the opening credits. <laughs> once the opening credits are done, and we establish all the people working on this movie, uh, we we are treated to a, a retro vignette <laughs> about how uh, at a previous time. Uh, Robert De Niro's father in the movie, Paul Vito Sr., I assume. Does he get a name? I don't know. But Do you go Paul Servino again? Paul Vito. Paul Vitti. Paul Vitti. 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 Oh, is it Vitti? All right. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I'm fucking up immediately. Italian make Italian sin. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it tells a whimsical story about how they had a state... I guess a countrywide mob meeting somewhere in upstate New York. And somehow his dad outsmarted everyone and I guess was victorious in that encounter. I'm not entirely sure about the point of that little. I think just that it happened and it was a huge failure. I, you know, they had a big meeting, it didn't go well. There's a funny thing with a mobster and a cow. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a mobster and a cow. There's a mobster attempting to ride a horse, I think. <laughs> it's it's fun times, guys. This movie is directed by Harold Ramis, and he loves the sight of uh, fat men running. <laughs> we get a couple... So we get two big mob meetings, and both of them are punctuated with just the most glorious shots of overweight Italian men in tacky suits trying to run. Oh, are you sure that was not a Kenneth Lornigan <laughs> contribution? <laughs> that is like the writing credits on this movie, I guess, if we are... <laughs> Still fairly close to the the credit section. I was going to say intense. Not since John C. Riley and the Lobster has <laughs> <laughs> footage of like an out out of shape older white guy been so lovingly photographed <laughs> just running through the woods. So this movie is written by Harold Ramis himself, by Peter Tolan to be the creator of Rescue Me. Mm. And it doesn't mention 9-11 once. And well, I know it came out in 1999. But I mean, you think, did see the Twin Towers. That's true. Did you want like a neon sign that says, here today, gone tomorrow? <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> Sorry, is that dark? Well, I don't well, I believe they have that in a Simpsons episode because those guys are uh, real-time travelers. Oh, yeah, great, yeah. great. The, the Simpsons did it first, right? Yeah, uh, they had that episode where they went to uh, uh, New York and uh, Lisa turned to the camera and said, 9-11's going to happen. Really? No. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> you don't know all these conspiracy theories about. The I know Sim- yeah. the Simpsons predicting it, but like for some reason, I was like, maybe they would do that joke, <laughs> not that joke. Because that's the thing. It's like people keep passing around the fake ones and pretend they're real. Like people pass around the clip that parodied Trump's stupid um, announcement speech. Oh they're yeah. Like Simpsons predicted this. This episode was from 1933. <laughs> This clip of Trump definitely wasn't made after he did it. It was made before the invention of the photograph. (laughs) The Simpsons were always there. It's sort of like the Overlook Hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Anyway, so, and Kenneth Larnigan, is that how you pronounce his name? Larnigan? Larnigan? I mean,. I don't know that I ever, I think on some level I knew that he directed it or he wrote it, but he is still like, you would do not associate that man with mobsters or Jewish psychiatrists. Maybe he's more of a Lisa Kudrow. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what he was a (laughs) El Kud champion. Anyway, so, so what happens next? What happened next? We, we cut to the present. Yeah. And um, we we jump in on Robert De Niro doing some mob stuff. And I got to say, I think one of the reasons, um, uh, uh, spoilers, I'm f- mixed to positive on this. <laughs> and, um, uh, I think one of the way- reasons it works is they do treat all like the crime stuff when they need to be fairly seriously. Right. And this is also this is one year before Meet the Parents. And Robert De Niro is like this. W- I, I remember at the time it being very exciting that Robert right. De Niro yeah, yeah. was in a comedy. I Now that's a, a nightmare. But <laughs> <laughs> now it's a red flag. <laughs> now I, I wake up screaming to nightmares of him trying to read cue cards on SNL. <laughs> or, you know, hanging out on a beach with Zac Efron. <laughs> <laughs> he was a dirty grandpa. Oh, um, you dirty <laughs> grandpa. But like, and this, and he really sells it in here. I think he like his performance is really good. I mean, yeah, it's the first one. It's before we knew any better. Yeah, he still like was excited. Um, and so then we we see Billy Crystal, and we're introduced to Billy Crystal's character, Doctor. Ben Sobel. Joey McJorson. <laughs> and would, would you know that he's somewhat neurotic about his life? <laughs> uh, he is also bored with his patients who include uh, uh, Molly Shannon in her only scene, even though credited in the opening credits. I, I would assume she was cut out from other scenes. I don't know. It doesn't seem like... I mean, I think it might just be she's two years into being on SNL and I don't know her her, her, her stars rising. She was in Superstar. She gets <laughs> billing and the opening credits. Had Superstar come out yet? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, Superstar came out in like 97 or 96, I think. That fast? After the the cast change? I'm going to look this up, but I'm pretty sure. Um. Well, anyway, she's looking that up. Uh, Molly Shannon is one of Dr. Sobel's Oh, no, patients. it is 99, same year. Wow. So, I yeah, her star earlier. was on the rise. You think they're not going to credit the star of Superstar? I mean, they have to. <laughs> That's um, why everyone credits Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, in every movie, <laughs> if they have a scene in a church, they have to credit Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ Superstar. He's a superstar. <laughs> oh, I, see, I'm more of a Godspell man, so I just oh, didn't catch that reference. I'm like, I'm sorry. there's going to be a 70s hippie Jesus musical. Give me Godspell. Oh. Steven Schwartz all the way. I don't know. Whatever. I think it's Steven Schwartz. I saw that one. <laughs> it was fun. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, he is uh, Ben Sobel. Mm. He is bored with his life. And he, you know what? He doesn't say it outright, but I think he could use some excitement in his life, especially considering that his dad is eclipsing him in every facet of life. Yeah. And he would not even fly out to Florida to attend his wedding, which was legit weird, I gotta say. Well, we were, I think we were... I think there was supposed to be a little more of a, uh, probably a little more of a connection between them because they both have daddy issues. But it's actually surprisingly not really played into later in the movie. No, it's not. Well, maybe in the the deleted scenes. I'm more curious about the fact that, so he is engaged uh, for his second marriage. He has a teenage son from his first marriage. Um, He's engaged to Lisa Kudrow as a Miami uh, news, uh, news reporter, not anchor. I don't know. She's a news reporter. Yeah, a TV local news reporter. Um, and uh, I, we briefly talked about this while watching it. How did they meet? Yeah, it's not How very clear. How did they clear. develop a relationship? Yeah, so they're on two different sides of the world. In a later scene at Well, Florida and New York are not really two different sides I, of the in world. In terms of relationships, I feel like you could We're be- a couple of real East Coasters. Hey, if it's not on I-95, fuck it. <laughs> I think it is on I-95, doesn't it go south? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, those are the only... Oh, I see. Yes, and Veronica. I'm sorry. It's been a few months since I've done an improv class. Really? Only a few months? Uh, yeah, I think so. I was in a performance. Oh, thing. that's fun. Everyone cares. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, no, but... There, in a later scene, it's also implied that she has never been to his house before. Maybe you misheard that because I didn't Because he says, any of the furniture you don't like, we can replace. And it was like a very like thing of just like him like you know not, like trying to introduce her to his house kind I, of a thing. I bet that's an onset ad lib from him. Oh. I bet that's Do you think just, just Kenneth some... Larnigan like yelled it's like these are not my words? <laughs> um, so we we're again yeah, Oh uh, opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> this is going great. Okay, so uh so uh Paul Vitti uh is having a talk with his consigliere yep, at, yep. at an Italian place. Um, would you know they are having Italian food? Uh, anyway, and he is trying to convince him, uh, his consigliere is trying to convince him to attend yet another, perhaps ill-fated, uh, mobster meeting. And Paul does not, is reluctant to go. And then just as they're talking, a truck, an unmarked truck drives by. And shoots up the whole place. Mm-hmm. And his consigliere dies to defend Bobby De Niro <laughs> or Paul Vitti. And, and that's the end of that scene. <laughs> yep. 
We we get many references to Paul's father. We're really seeding this idea. Yeah. But that's where a lot of his struggles come. But yes, no, Paul is very upset. Yeah. Very freaked out. To the point where, like, at the next meeting, he's having shortness of breath. Mm. He cannot fuck his mistress. His life is torn upside down, John. Upside <laughs> down. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yes. He, he, he starts having a panic attack. He can't kill someone. And it's very fun. Meanwhile, fortunately, uh, Jelly... His right hand man. Oh, uh, I like Jelly. He's nice. I Jelly want him to be my grandpa. Where else is he in? Ah, Who is that a, guy? That's a good question. I feel like the answer is other mobster movies. I well, I am absolutely sure. I I would assume his name is John Vitarelli, and oh. he's been dead for fifteen years. Oh. Uh, oh. Did he at least make it to analyze that? He did. That was Thank his God. last credited oh. role. He was in Serving Sarah. Remember that oh Warrant my... movie with, was that the one with Bruce Matthew Campbell? Perry and uh, yeah. Elizabeth, Elizabeth uh, Hurley? Hurley. Yeah. I saw that because it had Bruce Campbell in it as her <laughs> husband. And I was such a big fan of the Evil Dead movies that I went to see Serving fucking Sarah. And I, I honestly could not tell you a single thing about it. But yeah. I 100% saw it in the theaters. I've never seen it, but I feel like we're on even playing What fields. year was that? I bet that's when I was... I bet that's oh, one. two. Yeah. No, I, oh, two. Oh, so that's when I was a... When I was in eighth grade, I literally went to the movies every single weekend. Oh. And it was like... It was kind of like doing this podcast, because it was the only other time in my life when I would just go to movies I had no interest in. <laughs> <laughs> so you're regressing back. Yeah, I'm back to being 13. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I, you know, that's that's... The time of my life when I'd go to see like a solid like Joanna Man and uh, you know the hot chick. Oh God, Joanna Man, <laughs> Shallow Hal. He was in that. I uh, think there there's a never a time in anyone's life where you are as more aware of pop culture than when you're 13 oh, and you will sure. just see whatever. <laughs> yeah, I feel like for me it was like all throughout high school and like mm-hmm. I was very aware of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I was so aware of things. He was also in Mickey Blue Eyes. He was in Mickey Blue Eyes the same year? Yeah, he was. It's just the same group of actors he that was, I use for everything. He was in a movie called Mafia! Exclamation Point. Oh! Oh, Jane Austen's uh, Mafia. Jane Austen's Mafia? That was the Zaz Brothers um, with Jay Moore, right? Uh, yes, you are right. Oh, I saw that movie. I didn't know it was called Mafia. It was called Mafia, and the, but, well... It was called Jane Austen's Mafia and sometimes because yeah, at the same time period there were a bunch of like Jane Austen uh, adaptations like I Emma. I guess that's funny. Uh, <laughs> well, we're not talking about that Mafia comedy. He was also in uh, one of my favorite uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, Eraser. I've never seen it. Oh, he was also in Bullets Over Broadway. That's probably where I know him from. Oh. Anyway. Anyway. So, so, fortunately, Jelly, that man whose career we've just described, <laughs> he gets in a car accident with Dr. Sobel, leaving the dinner party with his father. And, and it's a very whimsical accident. It's actually a fun scene. There's He's got a, a body in the trunk. It's yeah, fun. someone is duct taping the, the trunk once after the it gets hit. Good stuff, good physical comedy. But when Bobby De Niro starts complaining about these panic attacks, uh, Jelly remembers uh, this interaction, 
and they go and they force their way into a session of Dr. Sobel. Now, here's a question for you. Please. You are a, like a normal human being, and you are in... <laughs> accident that involves the mob where the mob tells you don't worry about it do you the, leave the, them your business forget about it but <laughs> oh, sorry i'm not a hey, you don't need to remember this <laughs> hey this is irrelevant for your future <laughs> hey pay no attention to the man behind the fire did remember you that just say quote. words i was trying to say the fucking words we said a boss quote, but I forgot it. Oh, I'm sorry. You're <laughs> welcome if you ever remember it to just say it. Hey, pay no attention. What is he behind? The man behind the what? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Curtain over here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who's the big curtain here? <laughs> anyway, so, well, yeah. You read a question. Would, yeah, so would you leave your business card with a mobster when they say it's okay. I think we are to infer that Billy Crystal's character, Ben Sobel, uh, does not really realize anything is wrong at all until fairly late into the interaction. Mm. Like when But Jelly- he gives a business card fairly late into he the interaction. He does, but then Jelly heads back to the car and kicks the trunk that is moaning. Right. And that's when we see Billy Crystal seem to start to be like, oh... Oh. How odd. You think I read too much into that interaction because I knew where the movie is going? Um, yeah, I think it's it's best to watch Analyze This in a, a state of like... A tabula rasa. Yeah, a newly born blankness <laughs> where you are watching this movie saying, oh, okay, so we've got a mobster and a doctor. Clearly, those two men will not meet. And this will be kind of a parallel story in which I am to compare their lives and infer different things about the human condition from the many different facets of it. Oh, man, I have been watching this wrong. Well, so next analyze, th- You watched this to analyze that way. And that was your mistake. Yes, exactly. You, watched, you gave it a real whole 10 yards as opposed to a whole nine yards. <laughs> you know what? I enjoyed the whole 10 years what more than whole, I did the whole night. That's another thing where I did I not see the sequel. Despite 2003? Well, no, hold on. So Bruce Willis was on Friends during the 2002-2001 season. So that's season seven. Mm-hmm. So that would be when they did the whole nine yards because that's why he did it because he was in a movie with Matthew Perry. Right. So I would guess that came out in a one. And then I think the next one was 03 or 04. Well, it's going to be around the same time because I, I rented it. And in addition to going to the movies every week, 13 is also the age when I would see any movie uh, if I heard that it had <laughs> boobs in it. And Amanda yeah. Peet is topless for, I believe, one second. Yeah, that's all you need as a young <laughs> You know, I came for Amanda Peet's boobs for one second, and I stayed for the very funny dentist jokes. I feel like in that context when you say I came for Amanda Peet's <laughs> boobs. <laughs> I was 13, it's possible. <laughs> oh, God. All right, this is not the Michael Jackson podcast. Oh. I'm sorry. That movie is still fresh in my mind in a very disturbing way. Uh, sorry. So, yes, and 
Anyway, we are about 10 minutes into the movie. Yeah, but we, we can speed this up. All we right. can move. Yeah, yeah. Let's do this. We're still figuring yeah, it yeah. out, but it's okay. We got it. We got we, it. We, we, got, we have fun digressions. <laughs> anyway, so uh, uh, Billy Crystal is in the midst of yet another therapy session with one of his comically boring clients. Just really get a real quick sketch of this client and we can tell he's funny. We get some laughs he gets out. It's great. Yeah, it's it's, it's good. It's good writing. It's good writing. Three <laughs> people wrote this movie. Uh, and who do you think As enters? Most of the 43 that write most movies that come out today. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, and uh, Jelly comes in, followed by Paul Vitti, mm. who tells him about his friend who's having an issue, and Billy Crystal being, you know, at least a ma- having at least a master's degree in psychology is like, hmm, I think your friend is really you. And Paul Vitti acts as if like he is legitimately surprised <laughs> that he saw through that ruse. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a joke. It's, and it's very cute. And, and, and Robert De Niro not just sells that joke, but he's such a good actor, greatest actor of his generation. Oh God, he, what is wrong with you? I'm, 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 I'm going to be a dad. Maybe I'm secretly a dad. Uh, uh, but no, that he is then capable of turning just the word you into the catchphrase of the summer. You good you. 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 You know, that summer, you were either quoting uh, um, American Pies. Fuck me. <laughs> yeah, that was That's the line the from pie the pie. Says. That's what the pie said. <laughs> you know, most people don't realize there was a whole uh, pie, like, uh, scenes where we saw inside Jim's head, and we saw the pie <laughs> seduce him. But they cut it because American Beauty was coming out, and they thought it was too similar to Mina Savari naked on a on a ceiling with roses. What was the catchphrase of '99? Was it "You, you good, you"? Was you, that? Uh, no, was I mean, it's like, gonna be I'm something a fat from, bastard. Yeah, it's gonna be something from Austin Powers too. So yeah, something. Oh, zip it. Was zip it in the first one or the second one? I mean. Half of the punchlines from the second one are in the first one. You're but. right. I had had they any original. We're thoughts? definitely watching all of these movies in a few in a couple months. Oh boy! All right. So anyway, so you know what? Billy Crystal is hired as his shrink. Fuck yeah! Wow. Okay, off to the second act. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, and. Just uh, just, just right before we go to the second act, though, we introduce the villain of the piece, Chaz Palminteri himself, yep. the man who's still after Kaiser Soze all those years. <laughs> Where is he? Play, playing the same character. Uh, yeah. So he is uh, a rival of Paul Vitti's. And what would you know? Uh, for future listeners, um, The Usual Suspects is a movie that you don't watch because Kevin Spacey and Brian Singer were affiliated. I know. Those were so two sad. men that you don't talk anymore about, uh, listeners from the future. Just wanted to make that clear. It's a time-traveling show. I want everyone to be uh, clued in. And we're also sending this in a time capsule. <laughs> yeah, we're burying specifically this episode. <laughs> yeah. I think I can already tell this is a classic. <laughs> This is a box office time machine classic, John. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So he is a rival of Paul Vitti's and he wants to take over the organization. And let's leave it at that. Yeah. And uh, and so. 
Uh, Therapy begins. Well, first, Billy Crystal travels to Miami and we're finally introduced to his fiance. How did they meet? Was it some sort of a weird sex thing? We don't know. And because they don't tell us, we are forced to assume the worst. Oh, yeah. Let's go with weird sex thing. Obviously, uh, yeah, he was investigating the uh, weird sex cult of a patient. She was a member. Uh, they hit it off. It's great. Um, was it the ne- that generation's Nexium? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, were your, what were your thoughts? Uh, I thought Lisa Kudrow was fun. I mean, this is yeah, a role that has like one more joke than the bare minimum it could have passed with. I feel like she starts off as too shrill, hmm. but she like becomes, I guess, the right amount of shrill for this comedy. Yeah, it's almost like when they first introduce her, you think she's going to be like a ditzy idiot character. Mm-hmm. Um, she's doing this silly news report with a bunch of like, uh, you know, uh, Miami beachgoers behind I her. I mean, John, that's the hard-hitting news of Miami. It's 99. What are people worried about? <laughs> well, I honestly think like it's almost like this is the point where they're thinking, oh, I guess we should give Lisa Kudrow, star of the biggest sitcom in the world, uh, a slightly meteor role so they didn't make it as stupid, but then it just becomes kind of a nothing role for a lot until she gets the joke that she's just... Well, I think the joke of her character is supposed to be that she's just not at all intimidated by the mobsters. Right. But it, she she's cares also more about like, her wedding than than mortal danger. But it's like they don't want to pay, play into the inherent, like, yeah, the inherent like, sexist tropes of that. So it just becomes kind of nothing. Yeah. I think she's like definitely the... I think one of her first scenes is when, I guess, skipping a bit is like, oh, no, that's like... Uh, where she yells at him for getting out of bed. Mm. And that was such an insane overreaction that I was like, did they meet when she was a patient of his? Oh, yes. He has been abusing patients for years. We don't get into it. We don't get into this until the third movie in the trilogy. uh, Analyze the others. (laughs) Analyze this, that, and the other. (laughs) Yours was better. Yours was better. Um, so, yeah, sorry. So, uh, he goes to Miami and, uh, and, uh, Billy Crystal also apparently meets her parents for the first time. There's a lot of firsts Yeah, they've for been dating for like two weeks. Yeah, I don't know. Look, we it don't... It might be a hostage situation. <laughs> well, neither of us are fathers, neither of us are divorcees. We don't know what the, the, uh... Uh, the old dating dating scene is. Yeah, what was the what was like before Tinder? I'm, I'm trying to seem I'm trying to seem young. I had the terrible thing today, so I one of my coworkers is, is 21. Oof. And she was telling this story. <laughs> she tells great stories, but she was telling this story about this fight she got in with an old lady. She went on and on about the story. Blah blah. blah. How old is the old? My lady? coworker Lanny goes. Because we we're all way older. My coworker Lanny says, "How old is old is this old lady?" And she goes. Uh, you know, like late 30s, early 40s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. We're all going to die. Death uh, is coming for us all, including a number of the cast members of this movie. <laughs> in real life and in the course of the movie. Um, so they interrupt the wet. They First, they interrupt the meeting. There's a They interrupt a party with her waspy parents, which is a very fun little her scene. Her dad is named the captain. Yeah, we do that. Years before How I Met Your Mother. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, good point. Um, uh, uh, but I forgot the timeline of How I Met Your Mother. Maybe that scene happened in 1999. Who knows? <laughs> it's fucking screwy. It was the lost for comedy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, and... Yeah, bada bing, bada boom, and uh, they're about good, to get... Good mafia talk. <laughs> good theming. Thank you. Uh, and so, uh, as they are getting married, some uh, Chaz Palminteri friend is sneaking into the hotel to put a hit on Paul Vitti. Yep. And Paul Vitti, or rather Jelly, intercepts him, Paul Vitti again cannot shoot that trigger he just can't he also kills another of paul's guys yeah but which he doesn't we really seem to don't care. pay attention to we kind of just need it because it makes a good scene but everyone no one really references it ever again i think is he the only guy who gets shot during the movie uh i mean other than maybe like the final shootout. oh yeah and the shootout in the 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 parking yeah so there are like the uh, there are a few shootouts yeah, yeah, for yeah. the dads out i there. am so sorry uh shootout shootout fans there are shootouts Shootout dads. Uh, I I promise you my I promise you everything I said about the amount of time you see Amanda Pete's boobs in all nine yards is true. It is about a second. She's leaning out a window. <laughs> John definitely has an area of expertise. Hey, movies from two thousand to two thousand one that have boobs. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's how I was introduced to David Lynch films. Oh, but Mall and Drive. Yes. Oh God. All right. That was that is a movie that we're probably never going to be talking about <laughs> on this show. Uh, and so the man, the assassin man, goes flying out of the window yep. of the same hotel at the foot of which Lisa Kudrow and Billy Crystal are getting married, just as they're saying they're nuptials. Great stunt. Great shot. Use it for the trailers, which I did. Uh, That's good. I thought it was a fun little joke. Yeah, it was nice. Um, then uh, Billy Crystal... He falls into what seems like a bed of lettuce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a salad, I think. A big salad. Well, you gotta have a big salad. <laughs> well, Billy Crystal and Lizzie Kudrow are both fairly healthy looking. Very, very thin. That's true. Um, they are the paragons of health. Uh, but then Billy Crystal uh, and Lisa Kudrow, st- both still dressed for the wedding, burst into Paul's uh, hotel room to yell at him for interrupting their wedding. And this was one thing that, uh, as much as I was enjoying this movie, one thing that kept bothering me is, um, I feel like Billy Crystal goes from being terrified of this man to being willing to, like, stand up and just yell at him so quickly. Right. And, I mean, I think you even mentioned in a previous scene as we were watching this, when he basically just flat out rejects Paul Vitti and... Yeah, it's like, would you talk like that to a mobster no. who's like a famous mobster? Yeah, to be clear, like when Lisa Kudrow, for everyone who sees uh, Robert De Niro's character, like non-mob people, Lisa Kudrow, Lisa Kudrow's parents, they all recognize him instantly. So this is a famous mass murderer. Right. Maybe it's a subtle dig at how unimportant most people find mobsters. I don't know. I still, I feel like I would be intimidated by mobsters. Yeah, I think it's yeah. more we just needed to move past that point. Right, um, yeah. The Sopranos could get to Melfi being honest to uh, Tony in, you know, 10 episodes. 
Um, but this one kind of has to do it in a few scenes. But it is a little odd. Because yeah. they really do play up how terrified Billy Crystal is at the beginning of the movie. And they also take seriously how frightening Robert De Niro's character would be. Right. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I mean, I think the answer to that is plot. We have to move it yeah. along. But, yeah. I, I get your point. And so, <laughs> the sessions begin, sort of, or continue. <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, we head back to New York. Uh, it's a series of kind of episodic scenes where Robert Nero keeps uh, kidnapping Billy Crystal for different either breakthroughs or panic attacks or almost panic attacks. Um, and uh, But he keeps not being honest in his sessions. Yeah. Lisa Kudrow keeps getting angry at Billy Crystal for leaving, but not too angry because really that's not an important subplot. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it takes up as much. It, it's... There to give, this is the thing. It's like, it really doesn't matter. There's never really any concern that she's going to leave him. Right. And I think part of that goes into why they didn't want her to just feel like a prop. They didn't want her to just be the nagging wife. But I think because it's also they knew it wasn't a super important plot. It's just kind of. Right. And yeah. Uh... Well, I don't know what's weirder. So last week we don't record these together last week <laughs> like in captain marvel you have like the friend character who has only as many scenes as she's needed but they treat her well that's a whole other fucking thing. yeah let's talk about it later and so <laughs> uh the fbi approaches oh yeah ben sobel and they are trying to get him to cooperate with them and try to get him the scoop on this mobster meeting that keeps happening soon mm-hmm. And so <laughs> he says no. And uh, and then we find out that one of the consiglieres of Paul Vitti one, uh, is telling him to get rid of his shrink, that he's going to talk to the FBI. Mm-hmm. And you know what the FBI does with their 1999 tech? They splice those things together to make it seem as if Don Vitti is going to off Ben Sobel. And then they play that tape back to Ben Sobel. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, and I've got to get a wire going. I got, yep. I got to help the FBI. And this is pre-9-11 FBI, so they probably didn't even have enough money for, like, an audition or you know, one of your premium audio editing programs. This is probably yeah. Audacity, some free program. Ooh, this is probably, Garage like, a median coder. But it works. It works. And, and Robert De Niro is also convinced to kill Ben Sobel, or at least... Looks like he is. Because they rightfully say that they've seen Billy Crystal meet with with the FBI. So, right at the point where it seems like breakthroughs are just around the corner. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both Billy Crystal's wearing a wire and Robert Nero's planning on killing him. And they go to a restaurant. That's a perfect conflict. And then we find out. This restaurant that Robert De Niro chose to bring him to is the same restaurant that his father was murdered in front of his eyes 35 years ago. <gasps> and in just I, now, you know, for, for anyone who's listening and, and is in therapy or, or, or uh, now or in the past, you know, this is it, this, it happens just like this. Uh, Billy Crystal goes, there we go. That's the thing. Runs in, throws off his wire. Good thing, too, because De Niro was going to kill him. And then uh, uh, when De Niro is about to shoot him, they have a breakthrough. Yeah. 
And he explains to him everything that John just said again. <laughs> and Robert De Niro has a breakthrough and he cries. He cries a lot. What do you what did you think of uh, De Niro's crying in this movie? I mean, there was good comedy crying, I guess. It was not <laughs> Godfather crying. <laughs> I thought it was did you have qualms about I, his I crying? I think it's what it's <laughs> I like because it it sounds like someone fake crying, but he really commits to it. It's almost like he wasn't willing to do realistic crying. So, but he's like, you know, I'll, this is what I'm gonna do, but I'm really gonna sell it. So he only cries like <laughs> the entire movie, and he cries a lot. Well, I feel like this Robert De Niro watching it from a 2019 perspective. <laughs> Almost looks like a caricature of what he's going to be playing for the next 20 years. And even though, like, this is the first of that type of role, knowing that they're, like, a 50 more coming up, it's hard to not see that as sort of a caricature and, like, a broad sort of stereotype of a gangster because yeah. it seems like that's all he's been doing in comedies ever since. Well, this is... So this didn't meet the parents, uh, to a lesser extent, that one. I mean, he's still... He's playing this fairly... You know, it's a comedy, but he's playing it as straight as it needs to be for him to still seem intimidating because that makes it funnier. Um, and he did the same thing in Meet, in Meet the Parents. And you can see how, for him, after doing those two movies, who were some of the, you know, financially some of the most successful movies of his year, of his career, and were probably some of the easiest work he'd done, <laughs> for him to be like, yeah, fuck it, I'll just do more of that. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm not judging him. Like, Stop judging Robert De Niro. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's going to be de-aged in the Ir- Irishman soon. Designated hitter? What? DH. No. <laughs> yes, he's playing the DH in Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, which is a tale. It's like the intern what where he DH? gets back into the. He gets back. What is DH that's not designated uh, hitter? D aged. Oh, D aged. He's doing the Sam Jackson right, 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 and no, Captain Marvel thing. No, no, no. I get that. I For some reason, I heard D aged and I was like, I was confused. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, 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 I mean, I can't fault him for anything. It's a good business decision to do these movies, and God knows his family's got it. And this one and the first Meet the Parents are still very fun. I remember enjoying Analyze That more than I enjoyed this. I have never seen this sequel. I mean, I haven't seen it since, but I remember having well, a good time with it. to get to set that him. up. Anyway, so they have a breakthrough. There's, a, I think, a legitimately funny scene where um, they're being shot at, but uh, De Niro won't shoot back because he's yeah. sobbing too hard. That was, I think, the funniest scene uh, uh, where he just, like, <laughs> is trying to sort of get his limp hand to shoot a gun. Yeah, that was good. And then finally, Billy Crystal takes over the gun and I guess shoots, like... It misses the people and Jelly shoots them. Yes. But I don't know. I feel like Jelly might have just said that to protect his feelings. Because how would we, he know? I, I mean, think there's so that's many bullets one of those uh, mysteries that the, the movie leaves on the table. To uh, give you something as an audience member to chew over. On I'm going to go home. on the Reddits today. <laughs> yeah, there is. Uh, they analyze this subreddit is. Is hopping. It's hopping. I mean, it's a, it's a whole universe, man. It's the AT cinematic universe. Uh, which, which other movies are in it besides this and its direct sequel? Um, 
I don't know. I feel like the opposite of sex. <laughs> yeah. So wait, is Lisa Kudrow playing the same character? It's actually a Lisa Kudrow universe. It's like that kid in, uh, what's it called? St. Elsewhere. <laughs> yes, the Tommy West volume. But and like being in their head. And unlike the MCU, she's playing every different character. This is a universe in which many women look like Lisa Kudrow. And, and they could be the same character. It's never explicitly said that they're not. Wow, and at the same exact time, Romeo and Michelle are having a high school reunion somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, yeah, so he's having this breakthrough. It's all fine and dandy. Robert De Niro, though, cannot function as a mobster anymore. Yeah. And so, on Billy Crystal's second wedding, because they have to get married again. Oh, uh, he, I just, they, he can't function because they, they he's, right as he's going to the meeting, he's had this breakthrough about his father, and then he watches a, a, a Merrill Lynch commercial. Oh, that's right. That's that very funny. That is my favorite scene <laughs> in the movie. It is the funniest, cheesy, sentimental commercial ever that makes him break down and weep. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so he cannot go to this mob con, and... Uh, a con con. Oh my god, that's great. Oh, a conventions of convicts? Yeah, yeah, con con. Um, uh, so if you were trying to uh, think of a good place to have the con con, what would be the uh, location con con pros and the con con cons? <laughs> well, what would be the best dance to have at the con con? Is it not the con con can can? <laughs> <laughs> I there are a lot of dances that I can do, but I con con can can can't. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is delightful. Uh, and so Billy Crystal gets uh, whisked away from a second attempt at a wedding to pretend to be some sort of a higher up in the VD organization and uh, stave off Chaz Palminteri's takeover. For some reason, this was... So I saw this in the theaters, haven't seen it since. Uh, him slapping Jelly repeatedly at the meeting uh, was the only part of this movie I remember. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember the guys falling down. I remember the the aquarium. That's about it, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't remember much. Uh, and so... Uh, Billy Crystal, that's his moment to shine as an actor in this movie, mm-hmm. where he gets probably, like, five uninterrupted movies of, like, doing... Five uninterrupted <laughs> movies? Of minutes, sorry. Yes, the, the movie now goes for nine hours as we watch <laughs> City Slickers 1, City Slickers 2, Father's Day with Robert De Niro, My uh, Giant, that was rough. Uh, um, my Giant in three weeks. <laughs> I did I tell you this that I still know he used to do like when he was hosting the Oscars these little medleys I remembered the one I loved those me too I still remember almost all of the one that was the one the year Titanic one and Didn't he do, like, Gilligan's Island? Yeah. Just any- sit right down and hear a tale, a tale of a fateful ship. It started many years ago with an over-budget script. <laughs> an over-budget script. The director was a maniac <laughs> who made some people wince. Uh, and something, something, something. Then my giant in three weeks. My giant in three weeks. <laughs> but Titanic is the story here. I gotta take off my head. To Gilligan, the skipper dude, the propeller guy, and the ice, <laughs> the movie star, the professor, and Marianne. Here at the Oscar, 
begun? Tonight? Tonight. Ooh, tonight is probably right. Thank you so much. I have it on a worn-out VHS somewhere. Uh, for ever, anyone listening who is not ancient, there used to be a time where uh, the Oscars still had hosts. <laughs> <laughs> so for any babies born <laughs> between Again, future now. listeners. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I forgot the time capsule. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. this is timeless. Um, yes, I, I. it's so funny. I now can barely watch Oscars. I really hate them. Um, but when I was a kid, I would set the the set the VCR Aww. to tape because they end usually would announce the best picture after my bedtime. Oh, I remember <laughs> that specific year. I my mom allowed me to stay up <laughs> because I, she knew how obsessed I was with Titanic. I saw it like ten times in the theaters, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and I didn't go to school the next day. <laughs> um, Titanic, also a movie with breasts in it. Whoa, tell us exactly what minute. <laughs> uh, in exactly 49. No, that I don't know. Um, I didn't 69 minutes. Yeah, I didn't have that on home video. I can't even tell you which of the two VHSs the boobs <laughs> come in. I assume the first one, because don't they break that up when they hit the iceberg? Uh, that's a good question. I can't recall. I think they break it up I mean, that's where they around the right? uh, hand on the thing. Yeah, so the boobs are done. The boobs are done. There's no more time for it, boobs. It's just a bunch of death after that. Oh. It's a real fucking bummer. That movie was great. <laughs> Man, I'm kind of bummed we didn't start this in... I guess any time in nineteen or yes. twenty eighteen. Yes, doing the uh, doing the number one of the weekend of nineteen ninety seven is just Titanic for most of the year. Well, no, it came out in December of ninety seven. Then it was number one oh. into like ninety eight, like March or something like that. That's insane. Yeah. Anyway, so Titanic. Uh, the next scene of Titanic <laughs> after the hands of the car window, they're uh, running through the hallways. Oh, I'm sorry. I was in the middle of uh, a description of Billy. Right, the Crystal's. five consecutive movies he was <laughs> <Yes>. in. <laughs> sorry. Uh, That's how that started. That was my Freudian slip. <laughs> cruelly picking up on a tiny mistake you made that everyone understood. Oh, well, this is my life, dear listener. Anyway, so he goes into his mobster shtick and he sort of is using his analyzing emojo. To confront the mobsters. Yeah, he uses therapist power. Yeah, he does, though, a little bit. And then just as he is about to get in too deep, Mm -hmm. Bobby De Niro comes in and he's like, you know what, guys? I'm done with this. I'm out of this life. I made a vow as a made man. I'm not going to speak, but I'm also not going to be a mobster anymore. Because he... It turns out, as Billy Crystal helped him see, uh, Paul Vitti, uh, uh, he's having these panic attacks because he's being forced because of the meeting to think about his father and remembering that he feels guilt over his father's death and the fact that he became a criminal, the one thing that his father didn't want. And he has his final breakthrough while looking into the eyes of his son. And I guess you can realize why dads fucking love this movie. Oh, you are right. <laughs> he is right to not allow his mother to go down on him. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a weird aside when uh, he uh, at one point confesses or I mean, not even confesses, but just tells Billy 
crystal that he has a mistress and he's like so you're not happily married no no it has nothing to do with it i'm just like would i let my wife kiss my children with that mouth and are we supposed to think oh he's a classy guy he respects women uh no i think we're just as i think that is insane um insane mobster uh philosophizing. I mean, Because that's what I thought. Yeah, I mean, the first season of The Sopranos has an entire plot line that gets more and more serious about um, many people die just because uh, uh, people have found out that Junior uh, gives head to his girlfriend. Oh, you're right. Is that in the first episode? No, I said first season. Oh, okay. I'm I sorry. think it's first season. It's yeah, been I think it's 20 years. Oh, it's so good. Well, yes. Anyway, and so... He has this epiphany. He shows up. He's out of that life. They walk back into the car. But you know what? It ain't over yet. Just when he thought you were out, they pull you back in. That's a mobster We're talking about the audience. The the audience is thinking, I bet I'm not going to see Chaz Baldwin-Terry anymore. Let's let's go. Let's beat the rush to the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. Chaz Baldwin-Terry's back in the movie. He walks out and he's like, you thought it was that easy just when you thought you were out. I pull you back in. And so a shootout ensues. There are guys with guns. There are guys with bigger guns. There's a guy with like a semi-automatic with his own bullet valet. Then the FBI shows up. Everyone runs away with literal (laughs) tanks. Everyone runs away as they did back in the 50s. Um, Chaz Palminteri's car is shot conservatively 300 times <laughs> right. yet he does not have a scratch on him when he exits it also, to get Bob- arrested bobby de niro's car has no scratch <laughs> on it at all um but yes so all the mobsters get arrested robert de niro uh, paul he goes to uh, sing sing um uh he, in the in a little epilogue he meets up with dr sobel um uh, thanks him for his thing we find out that dr sobel still uh, seeing him for sessions in federal penitentiary. No, that's commitment. Uh, we also find out off camera, Charles Palantari's character died. So fuck that guy. He's out. Um, Just when he thought he was out. Uh, and then uh, Paul says, uh, uh, I, keep, I keep not being able to decide if I'm calling characters by their actors' names or their characters' names. Paul uh, mentions that he still never got uh, Dr. Sobel a wedding gift. Uh, Dr. Sobel returns home. And he and Lee Scooter dance to the music of Tony Bennett. Ha ha! Literally, Tony Bennett is there. Yes, he has debts to the mob. <laughs> and so he, the poor man is forced to sing at the backyard of one of his associates. What a great ending for one <laughs> and all. You know, we, we never see the kid again. His, his purpose to the plot done. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh... Yeah, let's do a letter grade. Yeah, let's do a letter grade. As over the dulcet sounds of Tony Bennett, dear listener. The best is yet to come. Yeah, he hasn't recorded that Lady Gaga yet. (laughs) All right, on the count of three. Wait, let me decide. All right. It's very important. You got to get this right. right. Three, two, one. B. A. Is that our first uh, consensus? Consensus grade? 
Maybe. Dear listener, send us an email. Well, they're going to think we're crazy. We're actually recording last week's episode of Captain Marvel after this. So if we do a consensus grade in that one, too, we're going to sound like psychopaths. We're (laughs) like, like, is that our first one ever? Why did you have to spoil it? Uh, The behind the scenes magic. I hate the artifice. Like, these people have already listened to it. They know that we both gave Captain Marvel A++. Uh-huh, yeah, the highest grade in the <laughs> land. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, yeah, B. Yeah, so why did you think America gave this a dollar at the box office? Why did, like, remembering, and this is actually, you know, we talk about why why did this work, and it's these weird things when, um, you know, some movies are, you know, destined to make tons of money, and it's like, well, yeah, fucking... Obviously, the Disney live-action Lion King is going to make a, an assload of money. Um, but, like, other movies uh, like this, it's hard to remember. I, I Even as a, at that point, 12-year-old, I remember how exciting and how excited people were that uh, uh, <laughs> Robert De Niro was doing a comedy. Right. Yeah, I think, like, at that time, yeah, we were talking about this off-pod about how... You know, it's hard to believe that something like this was number one. There was a time that an adult comedy for adults was making a lot of money. But it also seems like movies weren't, uh, other than like a Titanic or a Star Wars, movies in general were not making an insane numbers at the box office every week. You know, And so it was possible. um, Later in this... Later in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, movies we've seen recently and really liked. And I... Spoilers for five minutes from now. I'm going to talk about I finally saw Game Night, which I hadn't seen yet. Oh, yeah. And I was honestly shocked by how old all the main characters were. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, my God. And like, I was sitting there and I was like, wow, watching a, a big, fa- fairly high-budgeted studio R-rated comedy about, like, the dating lives of people in their mid to late 30s. I was like, that feels very rare. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, what other, what other movies like this can you think of recently? Like, there are a bunch of, like, micro-indies. Well, I guess, like, would you count something like Horrible Bosses? That's sort of that age, Uh, but I think it has, like, more of a raunch factor. Yeah, that's more of, like, a, that feels like a younger, like, dude bro comedy. Right. Uh, To be fair, I haven't seen it. And yeah, but that feels because you more... don't have dude bros. So yeah, no, no, I only have a dude sisses. <laughs> Let's hear it for my sisses. I'll see you later, ladies. Sisses. Um, uh, let me let me see. I'm uh, gonna look through. But I mean, like, yeah, no. Th- this I is... think they're just like no good comedies anymore, to be honest. Well, big mainstream studio comedies, maybe. But then again, I That's I what really like Game Night, and I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. Um. But, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's this, so this was, you know, it was fine. It was, it had some high moments. It wasn't, there were fairly long stretches when I wasn't laughing particularly hard. Right. But it was still very pleasant to watch the entire way through. Yeah, just like slipping into like a comfortable pants, <laughs> like a docker. Like, I it's, say this coma. is like. <laughs> no, no, like a like a good like a sturdy pair of pants, like a Dockers, where you can like sit and sort of lounge. You're not constrained. It's unobjectionable. I think that's what this is in a good way. I think at yeah. one point I turned to you and I was like, 
this is a well, very well executed version of this script. Like you can see all the beats, but and they're all there, but they're like good beats. Yeah, the character, yeah. All, all the little arcs pay off. Everything that's the ending is satisfying. You feel good going out. It's a good like workman's like comedy. There's not I, like I don't have that much else to say about it or like what it says about the culture in which it was made. It's just like fine. Yeah, yeah. I feel like fine is a very good. But like I, I, I feel like I use fine more like negative. Like yeah, it was fine. That's more like a boring. I wouldn't call this movie boring. It wasn't like generic. Like it was a, just pleasant. I think it hit what it aimed to be. Like I don't think it was trying to be laugh out loud funny. Oh, what if it was? What if Billy Crystal is sitting somewhere and he's like, <laughs> I wanted a laugh riot. Well, then again, I, mean, I don't know. Can can comedies still remain laugh out loud for more than two decades? I don't know. Um, that yeah, that's a valid point. Cause, yeah, it's like uh, uh, we've seen the Robert De Niro of your Meet the Fockers, Dirty Grandpas, Righteous Kills, whatever I, other. I did not you know. see. Yeah, we, we've Dirty all Grandpa. rushed out to see Dirty Grandpa. Um, but uh, uh, I'm gonna sneeze as I have this thought. So, um, but no, I, I it's hard to uh, think about how funny it might have been. Then I remember thinking, <laughs> there it was. Bless you. <laughs> I remember thinking it was very funny at the time, and then again, I was also 12 and was very excited to see a movie with that many curse words in it. Zero boobs, though. I want to be clear. This movie has zero boobs. There are some idiots. No boobs. Ha ha! Ha ha! Um, all right, let's do our favorite section. Uh, uh, woo! That did not age well. You got anything for this one? Um, let's see. Mm, I mean, I don't know how on the nose stereotype wise they would be about mobsters. I guess. I've heard it argued that uh, the yeah uh, uh, like. Italians are one of like the one like uh, minority like that it's still group. okay. Like ethnic like... group that you could yeah, that you could just like mock openly in like liberal society, like I could do an Italian voice, hey Yeah, no, you're right. We gotta I mean, the Italian people are so nice to let us have one <laughs> Thank you so much culturally insensitive thing Thank that we can you. still do. Thank you. Cause I, I if I have to Oh, I, have I to do stop have saying one. It's a me, Mario. It'll hurt. <laughs> it's a me, pizza pie. Uh, I guess the the faggot thing. Yeah, that's the one. So, um, that was the one I was thinking of. But I was curious. So, uh, there is a lot of like, uh, stuff that you I, not like offensive in that way, but like you know, uh, retrograde opinions. But they feel they don't feel offensive in the way some comedies because they're all said by mobsters and you know the billy crystal character is there to gawk at their you know uh um you know at the the fairs whatever but right. like yeah so there's one joke um after their first meeting when things are seem to go well billy crystal uh robert de niro says um says okay i'm gonna go by the way if you turn me back i'll kill you uh and he says it a couple times and it so i know so it's clearly there to re to be shocking and also to reinforce the fact that he is a scary person and this isn't a soft and cuddly guy so i think that's in a similar way it doesn't feel as negative and i was curious so i remember uh 
uh, a few years after this, seeing the first Hangover in the theaters. Ooh. Um, and there is a joke uh, towards the beginning where uh, Ed Helms is talking to his you know, he's bitch wife, and she's just fucking nagging him, dude. Oh, naggy, and he nag, just wants nag. to go hang out with the broskies and have a cool bachelor party. Um, anyway, and he's and he's he mentions that Bradley Cooper's character's picking him up. I haven't seen this movie since the theater, but uh, Bradley Cooper's character's picking him up. Um, uh, and she's like, I don't like him, he's really immature. And Ed Helm says, No, no, he's not immature, and then. Out the window, in the background, Bradley Cooper pulls up in, like, a Corvette or something and screams, uh, get in the car, faggot, we gotta go, or something, I forget. <laughs> Just very blunt, and I remember laughing out loud at the theater, and then shortly after, in the next scene, like, eating that laugh as I realized, oh, no, this movie thinks that character is super cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the joke was how truly awful he was uh, to play off what the wife just said. And I guess that's kind of the joke, but it's clear from all the framing and everything else that this movie thinks this dude is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and so I don't... So, yeah, we have that same word. Um, but... And, and Robert Jr. becomes relatively lovable at the end. But, yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about it? I mean, yeah, it, I mean, I guess it's always weird when they use that word. I mean, it's just like the whole, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I I guess like, it, yeah, it didn't feel as offensive as it could have been coming from another uh, character, you know I, I guess. I guess the, I, I'm, I'm, asking the, I'm asking an unfair question. I mean, I, I, neither of us are really in a position to speak on that word. I guess right. the, the, the question that our the segment that I think I named uh, actually poses is is would that would that hold up today? If you remade the, a movie with this premise, do you think they could still have that joke? Uh. I would probably say probably not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, my guess would be no. I think are would there be jokes using that word that I could still find funny like in 2019? Sure, probably. Uh, I don't know that that is. That. I think I think the problem is you couldn't have that joke and still have that character be um, a likable character as much as Paul is by the end of the movie. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think like it's hard to say just like a blanket statement of like this will never be funny, but because I'm sure there could be a scenario well, the, where yeah, it is in that exact context. In that exact context, I don't think that would guy, be. Threatening guy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I, yeah the, nothing else really. I think you'd probably give a few more la- a few more a few more beats to. Um, uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this movie was uh, written today. Um, they'd find some way to have the Lisa Kudrow character at that mob meeting. Oh, yeah, maybe. I, I think they would feel the need to give uh, the female lead a little more to do. Yeah, I think so. You're probably right. And I think she would probably be less shrill than she is in certain scenes. But yeah, and she might have like a bigger role. It does feel like that character is five years past just being a, a shrill harpy. Mm-hmm. And five years before having a character, so <laughs> she's just kind of there. Progress question mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so that's analyze this. Yeah. Hey, analyze that. Well, what's your number one this week, Ronnie? You're, this is a, a, a retro week. So, what is your number one movie or TV show you've seen recently? Uh, well. 
Uh, let's see. So as mentioned in a very crass way earlier, I've seen Leaving Neverland. <laughs> uh, and that was a very heartbreaking documentary to watch. Did you watch both halves? I have, and I have seen the Oprah interview as well. Me too. Also gave five hours to that. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing I do want to say about this, uh, and I might have mentioned this to you earlier, about how... I mean, I guess two things. One is how it is really a movie about people just falling for the celebrity of, mm. like, how much would you, like, sacrifice and be willing to look away because this guy also wrote Thriller. Like, so that's one. And as I was watching it, I, like, kept, like, forcing myself to think about this scenario absent all the Michael Jackson yeah. fame and just how insanely ridiculous all of it looks. Just like letting your kid do really anything with just an adult man that you barely know. Yeah. It is so insane. It's weird. It's um I actually uh uh I think they are pro they, um I think they're probably trying to as much as they can erase that that aspect from the movie. So if if you if so Leaving Neverland is just four hours of interviews with these uh, two now grown men uh, accusing uh, talking about um, their uh, their experience being molested by Michael Jackson, um, alleged in this podcast. But let's say uh, I mean I'm, the Jackson family is going to be listening to this. Yeah, and the Jackson State loves this show. They uh, love they analyze were, this. They were about to let us use uh, Thriller as our theme song, and now oh, this man. is going to fucking ruin everything. Well, fuck that, because my uh, singing voice is delightful, <laughs> and I raped no one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess uh, I, I think um, uh, both before the before the documentary and continuing afterwards, I think we're both on the side of no fucking shit he did it, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it is. They do a very good job. That was the second point I was going to oh, bring sorry. up of um, basically making Michael Jackson seem more of just like this weird monster shadow lurking in mm-hmm. like the background. Like I think is it is something that for the most part, is so much focused on the faces of the victims and their family. So when you do see Michael Jackson, sometimes his appearance is so menacing, Mm. like, to, I don't know, to, like, an effective degree, where you're like, oh, this... Every time they show his face after you find out what he did to those boys, it's, like, it's worse and worse. It makes it really hard looking at him, especially if it's, like, footage you have seen before which there's yeah. a lot of a, a lot of and you sort of realize that yeah while you were enjoying the black and white video he was like molesting a <laughs> seven-year-old and it's yeah it's just horrifying anyway yeah and i think uh and, and you're talking about him him looking monstrous and i i that's I, that's not talking about you know the plastic surgery and the, i don't know how to pronounce the disease yet vitiligo uh, yeah v- which people vitiligo? say he might i think it's vitai 
or something whatever like Tiglio. but also people some people say that he doesn't have it like dermatologists who knows but yeah, like anyway. yeah, that's one where I, I I'll see the four-hour documentary on that I'll, Vitilago maybe I don't know but like um but it's he seems frightening just in uh the context of these stories right. and I think yeah they're purposely in in interviews, the directors tried to say that this isn't about Micah Jackson. I think Oprah said that as well. This could be about any the way it's about the way any um, uh, respected uh, adult can can groom both children and and their families. And it's interesting because um, I just today I watched that last week and just today watched. Cause I guess I'm a glutton. I don't know, not a glutton, a, a masochist. Uh, I don't know why, but a I'm, glutton for a masochism. Yeah, I'm a glutton for this. These uh, sexual predator docs. Num 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 num. <laughs> um, but no, I started watching. Uh, finally, watching the R. Kelly one, and that one much more delves into uh, the celebrity and the culture. And also, um, I've only watched the first episode, but that one also is on Lifetime and not HBO. And so there are differences like stupid uh, act out br- bumpers and stings and teasers. But do they have recreations or reenactments? <laughs> not, the... not, not that I've seen. I don't oh, think so. Boy. All right. Um, uh, yeah. So that was one. I would also say I saw a super shitty fucking movie that made me angry yesterday. Uh, I saw Trans. Have you seen Danny Boyle's movie Trans? No. That, that movie is a hot piece of garbage. Is that the one with um, James McAvoy and Rosario Dawson Channing and Tango? Vince Cassell? No. No? No. What am I thinking? Have I seen a Soderbergh movie? Uh, do you mean Logan Lucky? No, I'm thinking of something. Uh, anyway, uh, the whatever. one with the wrestler? What's the one with Rachel McAvoy? Mac- Mac- well, Rachel fucking hell. The one from Game Night I'm about to talk about. Oh, McAdams? Yeah, it was, you're talking about the, your thing. I don't yeah. know what the fuck well, Anyway, about. that movie, it it's sort of like this weird psychological thriller, you know, when uh, a heist goes wrong, James McAvoy is the man on the inside, he's supposed to pass over a painting from this auction house to these criminals, but then he sort of chickens out and seals the painting, but then he gets, like, punched in the face and then hit by a car, so he doesn't remember uh, where the painting went. <laughs> and so they hire a hypnotist, p- played by Rosario Dawson, who, I guess, for some reason has practice in London, uh, and s- to hypnotize him into remembering where the painting is. And that's, you know... A decent premise for a thing. But what ends up happening is such, like, a red herring full movie of, like, mumbo-jumbo, like, fake, like, shrink talk. and Unlike Analyze This. Yeah, exactly. Analyze This is, like, the paragon of, like, responsible (laughs) therapy compared (laughs) to a trans. All in the service of a twist that makes everything that came before it fucking irrelevant. There's a scene, like, the thing that really drove this over the edge for me is... So he, uh, James McAvoy, his character ends up falling for Rosario Dawson. He's not sure what's real, what's not, whether she's manipulating him, she isn't. And then they go back to her place, I think, and she, like, goes into the bathroom and you just hear, like like an electric shaver or something going. And then she comes out fully sh- naked. And and he, like, looks at her and he's like, 
you remembered and we're like what how to shave her like bikini line and that was very weird wait and, like she shaves her head too or no just she her just pubes? just her pubes she shaves her for her pubes and he's like you remembered and then it turns out spoiler alert i guess like they used to be together before he got a coma and she hypnotized him out of of knowing her because he started being abusive and jealous, whatever. And that's how she used to shave her pubes because he had a weird fascination with art where the women had pubes. Yes, that is... <laughs> anyway. Right, it sounds great. That movie <laughs> can suck it. It's It was so frustratingly bad. Um so yeah, that oh, was sorry. a bad movie I saw. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, well, in addition to uh, uh, leaving Neverland and the beginning of Surviving R. Kelly, um, <laughs> more I, about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> I finally watched. Um, I finally watched uh, uh, a game night, like I said, and that's just a, a, a sturdy comedy. It's just the yeah. first half super funny. Uh, all the performances are great. I don't. I don't have much else to say. It's that's just a solid studio comedy. And yeah, I thought it was pretty pretty funny too. Yeah, I I thought it was a lot of fun. I I think you know once they have to get into like the whole plot stuff and who who is the uh, big actor who appears as like a major villain at the end. Oh fuck! I forgot. Oh god, I forgot too. And it's it was an actor I like. Oh, it's Michael C. Hall, Dexter. Oh, you're right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's an actor I like, but at that point, it's like, it's like, oh, I don't really care about this crime stuff. So <laughs> like, and I think they know we don't care, so they're just act adding a recognizable actor. But like, it's like, yeah, whatever. But like, uh, overall, I thought it was super fun. I thought it was really funny, and uh, Rachel McAdams is hilarious. Um, yeah, I just liked it. Uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah. I, I thought that movie was really good. I wanted to see it in theaters. I didn't end up doing it. My only qualm with it is that their game night is fucking lame. They're playing charades and like they have like apples to apples on that table <laughs> along with some other games. And as someone, oh, I'm sorry, they're not playing a five hour long board game. <laughs> no, they're not playing a game where you have to allocate resources. Oh my god. <laughs> We, we have difference of opinion of what makes a fun game night. I think a fun game night is still not charades, unless it's flip cup charades. <laughs> uh, um, oh, we both also saw Climax. Yeah, I was, I was surprised you didn't mention it. Well, uh, yeah, I had Jasper a great time with Noe's it. now a new movie about... Um, uh, we saw, we saw we saw two movies in the theaters recently uh, that were 90s period pieces. That's true, um, yeah. So a bunch of dancers in the 90s. Uh, rehearse a dance and have a, a big rave and unfortunately drink a bunch of spiked uh, spiked sangria and some of them go crazy and realistically to that scenario some have an okay time yeah. uh, and some have a very very bad time yeah I thought how it was, was your time <laughs> my time was pretty good I, I enjoyed it quite a bit I the only other movie by him that I've seen was Irreversible which was at points super, super hard to watch, mm. which I was honestly dreading during this movie. But while there were some like very visceral scenes where I kind of had to look away from the mm. screen for a little bit, it was to nowhere nearly that extent. And for the most part, it was just like a very bizarre, weird 
trip of a movie that I had a really good time, that I was happy to yeah. be on a ride, along think, for the ride. For I think it. Noe's reputation actually helps the movie um, because you are know that he's willing to go to really dark places. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Because my favorite scene of the movie, without spoiling much, um, the long sequence where they're just dancing and one by one the characters gradually start to realize something's wrong is so like just this growing sense of dread is so great and so frightening and just the driving beat that I've been listening to the, the soundtrack a lot. <laughs> um, th- that is that is uh, just a truly wonderful um, uh, horror sequence. And then, um, I mean, the movie succeeds in making watching it feel like you're having an unpleasant uh, drug experience. That's very true. So there are points at the end. If you had asked me how long the movie was during the film, I would have said 30 hours maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But I guess somehow I mean that positively. Uh, But yeah, there were points at the end where I was like, do I want to watch this? (laughs) But um, you had that, that sequence I was talking about. And then also it opens with just a tremendous dance that I've watched multiple times and I don't yeah, no much really about good. dance, and it's all a single shot, which no, is uh, from a technical perspective very, very impressive. All right, well, I think it's time for us to hop back in the time machine. Uh, uh, leave 1999. What what are we oh, a no. fucking couple of Carol Danvers over here? Let's get out of these 90s. Hey, uh, well, we're, do you want to reaged like Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> do you want to predict real quick what you think oh, yes. is going to be? The contender for the week of March 22nd, which okay. is going to be okay. next week. All right, let's hear it. What are the options? Well, there really are just one option, which is us. That's the only nationwide release for March 22nd. Uh, well, with, yes. <laughs> with holdovers uh, from previous week, Captive State, Five Feet Apart, and Wonder Park. Wonder I mean, Park is that animated one. Uh, okay, again, uh, spoilers, we have not watched. We were recording this before. Spoilers, not spoiling anything. Uh, <laughs> secret reveals. We're recording this before uh, um, the weekend, uh, Captain Marvel's second weekend. Um, so I don't know. Maybe Captain Marvel has Wonder Woman legs. But uh, and that's not uh, a comment hey, about their bodies. Hey. <laughs> um, uh, so, but I, I don't. I would say us pr- would be my fairly safe bet, unless Captain Marvel is like fucking through the roof. Which I, I don't know. I, I'd say us. Yeah, I think Wonder Park is coming from like a studio oh, with CG like movie? kind of like a questionable. I think it's like a Fox animated one. Well, it's also, it's like, I, I mean, I haven't seen many trailers for it, but I saw one and it's just like a kid runs a theme park. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that. Yeah, I love theme parks. Like I literally will, I spend some of my downtime watching like hour long videos on the history of Disney world attractions. So I, you'd think that I, I would be like, Oh, as a kid, I would love that. But I don't know. It just didn't seem that appealing to me. I think to be honest, Theme parks and animated movies are not that interesting because you could literally do anything. Yeah, and there's I think like nothing. A live action movie about like a rookie of the year type scenario, like one of those movies where a kid gets somehow an adult job. Some if they had made a movie about a kid becoming the, in charge of a, a like a Disney World type park. I think, yeah. You should write that well, movie. Well, isn't that kind of what Wonder Park is? But I think, would, yeah, if it was live action, it would seem way more exciting. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's hope it is us because I do want to see us. And I don't want to see Wonder Park. 
Yay! All right, now it is time to hop back into our time machine. Go back into the year 2019. Uh, toot away. Toot, toot. I, I just uh, told all the locals how to survive the Y2K bug. Oh, no, we could have made a fortune on the stocks, I say. Toot, toot. Bye-bye. <laughs>